Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Raziel and I'm the host of the show where I get to have conversations with Olympic athletes, hopefuls, and legends on their story and path to the games. But today, not an Olympic athlete, hopeful, or legend. This is gentleman Grant Parr, who is a mental performance consultant to some Olympic athletes, hopefuls, and legends, which is a lot of fun. So uh, Grant came on the show. He explains what he does, how he does it, and how he's been able to help athletes affect what they do on the field through their mind, through training their brain, and through getting them to think the correct things, breathe the right way, have the right visuals, and do exactly what you need to do mentally, because that is a huge, huge portion of what you're going to see on the field and a big uh, reason the product on the field or on the court or on wherever is what it is. So Grant was a lot of fun to talk to. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode with Grant Parr. All right. Today's special guest, Grant Parr, a mental performance consultant at Game Face Performance. Grant was born January 7th, 1974 in sunny, 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 well, it's not really sunny San Francisco, I guess. It's more cloudy San Francisco, California. <laughs> Started playing sports at the age of seven, played college football at Chabot, right? Yep. Got it. Chabot Junior College and Sonoma State University. Graduated from Chico State with a degree in communications. Worked in sales for over 15 years before starting Game Face Performance and got his master's in sports psychology at JFK University. Grant, Thanks for hanging out with me today, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. I'm really excited. It should be fun. We're uh, we're both podcasters, so I think we've uh, we've done this once or twice in our life. I always that term is weird to me too. I never really got it. We're just people that like talking. That's all it is, right? It's all it is, man. Shoot, man. It I love it. Um, so yeah, let's let's talk about growing up in cloudy San Francisco a little bit. I mean, what was that like? I mean, I grew up in New Jersey, and obviously you don't know anything else. But I'm always curious, kind of what upbringings were like, because. You always find those little paths to kind of where you got to uh, way yeah. back when. You know, it's funny because I, I grew up in what they called the, the Bay Area. And so I, I grew about 20 minutes east of, of Oakland. So I lived in a, a small little town or city now called San Ramon, which uh, is it's suburbia. And mm. it was so funny growing up in the Bay Area my whole life until about, I don't know, 30 years old. I'm 45 now. I, I repelled san francisco i just it was too big too fast too smelly i just couldn't it was just too big and then i had some things that happened in my life and i got emotionally mature and i just gravitated to san francisco and i've been living in san francisco san francisco for the last 15 years and uh and i love it it's uh it's a different city now these days but but i love it and uh you know we get some days they're a little bit sunny right now it's a little cloudy but uh but yeah, I love it. I love living there for sure. I've I've heard so many good things about San Francisco. I have a couple friends that live there. Still, unfortunately, haven't had the opportunity to go out and uh, hang out with them yet. But one of these days, I'll uh, I'll finally get out there. But yeah, I mean that's that's interesting. I mean, obviously, you being a mental performance coach and then kind of being aware of your mental maturity to try to get to that point um, is definitely something that I'm that I'm excited to dive into a little bit more. And and you know, as in the bio, start playing sports at seven just like every other kid, right? But like, what was it that drew you to sports to eventually then go on and play college quarterback? Because that's not, that's not a, that's not a, that's a very tall task to play. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I think a lot of it was my older brother. Um, my older brother, a couple years older than I was, whatever he did, I wanted to do. Uh, but it was really cool that I had an incredible father that um, if he wasn't coaching our sport, he was actually involved in some way of, of being a director or a president of, of the youth, you know, football team or the baseball team. So he was always involved. And not only was he involved, not only from a coaching and directing perspective, um, he was coaching sports psychology, mental performance 
before anybody was that I knew, at least where I was growing up. And, and I don't even know that he knew that. So when it came to breathing and visualization, and he even did some hypnosis with us kids. Um, and it was really, it's a really cool story, which I'll probably share later in the interview. But he was really good with pushing us to be more than just the average athlete. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that we had to be number one. But he, he would always say that from a self-talk standpoint, he would say, you're number one. And it wasn't, he wasn't saying that you had to be the best. You just be the, your number one. And, uh, and trust me, there was nights before football games that I would hear that. And he would say it with passion. Uh, but it was just, it was more than just about being the best and better than anyone. It was just about believing yourself. It was about belief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's what confidence, I mean, right. That's what mostly confidence comes down to. If you believe you're the best, you're closer to being the best than if you believe you're the worst. You, you know what I mean? Like, as a, like I, I made that connection one time and I was just like, it, it, uh, so I know if I'm not mistaken, you know, David Meltzer and you've, you've spent some time with him. You've done some interesting yeah. things. And you know, one thing he said that really impacted me, it was like rooting for someone else to be bad is going to make you worse. So just root for yourself to be better and just hope that they can be the best too. Like that, that does nothing but affect you negatively. Um, and when you tell yourself negative thoughts, you're going to gravitate towards those thoughts. So you will become worse. You will become more negative. So just think positive thoughts and you'll be better. You'll be more positive. It's like, it's such an easy equation, but so many people I think are plagued with the negative side of everything and are plagued with kind of feeling down about themselves that it gets very frustrating when I see other people. I'm just like, no, just think positively. And then you're, you're there. You're more likely to get to the outcome if you think positively than if you think negatively. Right. It's one of those things where it's, it's so easy to do and it's so easy not to do, mm-hmm. right? Just that there's, there's just that, that paradigm. And, and it also comes down to what kind of game do you want to play? And, and we'll talk about how I changed in my life, the, how, big, how big the game I want to play with my career and my life and my relationships and everything. But, but when it comes to that, what you're talking about is literally the question is, what kind of game do I want to play? Do I want to do I want to be that selfish person? Do I want to be negative and, and take away someone's joy? Or do I want to enhance that and, and add to it? You know? Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%, man. 100%. Um, let's hop back to, so playing college football, quarterback specifically, the most important, I mean, if not easily one of the most important positions in all of sports, in my opinion. Um, what was it, I guess, what was it about football and what was it about wanting to play that deep? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and, and uh, stroke your ego too much. I mean, I don't know. I, I watch a lot of college football, Grant, right. and I have never heard of Chabot University. So um, <laughs> Chabot Junior College, I apologize. Right. So, I mean, just tell me, like, where, where is that decision? Like, kind of understanding that this is, for lack of a better term, the end of the line, but still wanting to push and, and still be the best, especially in something that you love so much. You know, the cool thing about my, my athletic careers that my my dad allowed us to play a lot of sports so we didn't specialize so playing you know baseball basketball and soccer and track and football that was really cool for me but as I started to get throughout you know throughout my high school career I started to really gravitate to to football and I just knew that that it was my strength Um, it was my strength because I got the game I loved the game I had a great arm Um, I was fairly fast um, and I just love to lead 
like leading for me was just, it was just a passion for me. So it, it all, everything aligned when I was in high school. And, and I think when you got it, when you have a chance to start on varsity as a sophomore and, you know, play on JV when you're a freshman, you're like, you know, these things, like they develop you. And as I went to Chabot, which was interesting, Chabot, when I went back in the 90s, and I'm dating myself, that the year before I went there, they were actually played in the national championship and lost, but I was actually going into a very high profile mm-hmm. program at the mm-hmm. time. Um, and I'll tell you what, man, those two years were incredible. Like, it was the best football in my life. Played with incredible athletes. There was, in high school, it was more about the camaraderie and, and the spirit, right? And the connectedness and cohesiveness. This was about playing with like the best of the best in the mm-hmm. area. And uh, so that was really cool. Breaking records together, breaking records individually. And then, you know, and then it was a whole different experience going to Sonoma State because it was a division two uh, program, d- just a different mindset, mm-hmm. um, different, you know, teams we played. And, uh, and as much as that was a really, really tough year for me, um, I learned so much about myself and I'm glad that I went through the, the struggle. Um, I had a career ending, I had an injury in, in junior college that I, that I brought with me mm. to, 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 uh, Sonoma state. And I just, you know, after 13 years of playing football, you know, you just kind of, you kind of look at yourself and go, you know, is like, how far do you want to take this? And, you know, my injury was a compressed fracture to my left hip. So you know, do I want to like, go through all the surgeries and I had to redo my shoulder. So my body was kind of after 13, it was breaking down. Um, and so that, but I love, I love the struggle. I loved everything that I, that I did, but I'll tell you what, after I left the game of football, which was when I left Sonoma state to mm-hmm. go my last couple of years at Chico state, that's when I, I really made it a uh, kind of an unconscious decision to really neglect my body, neglect my, my journey as an athlete, I turned it off. Mm-hmm. And that was when my identity just, so for two decades, it was like, it wasn't a fun place for me. Um, and I had two surge, I had two hip replacements on the same hip uh, due to Ooh. that inch. Yeah. Ooh, so that, that played, that played with me for, for a long time. So, and now I'm good. I'm ready to rock. That's why I'm playing a bigger game now. And got my body back, mm-hmm. got my career and everything. So, but um, yeah, so I had to go through some dark times to get to the, uh, to the joyous and joyful times that I'm living right now. That's awesome, man. Yeah. 20 years is a long time. Yep. Um, but Hey, you had to, you had to go through it cause now you're here and that's the most important thing. Um, I don't believe in coincidences. I don't believe in luck. Um, I don't quite believe everything happens for a reason, but everything has a reason that it happens. So, um, it's always, <laughs> it's always, it's always interesting kind of to see how some of that stuff. So it's a very unfortunate, um, shout out Chico state had a really good buddy, Mitch, if he's listening. Um, he told me a lot of stories. We don't need to dive down that rabbit hole grant. I'm sure you yep. had just as fun as he did as much fun as he did. So, yep. um, yep. so after, 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 graduating from college, um, you then got into sales, um, corporate sales essentially, um, for 15 to 17 years, pretty significant amount of time. That sounds like it was a big chunk of those two decades. Um, whether again, no such thing as a coincidence in my mind. So I think they kind of were tied together a little bit. Uh, what was it about, you know, obviously we don't have to dive into every year and, and all the jobs that you had, but what was it, I guess, about just that corporate sales or that, that lifestyle that really dove you and maybe depression is a little too big of a word, but really kind of dove you into that dark hole and kind of kept accelerating it, I guess. Yeah. You know, it, it was kind of a, I was living two lives in a way because, and I, and I didn't even know it at the time, but 
when I when I left uh, when I graduated from school and I got in, I worked for I was I was in staffing or human capital for mm-hmm. about ten years, and uh, the company that I worked for Tech Systems slash Aerotech, which the owner of the Ravens, Stephen Bashotti, mm-hmm. was he was the owner of this company, and so if you can only imagine if you have, if any of your listeners have ever heard or seen Stephen Bashotti, man, he's he's just intense. He's an incredible leader. But the environment mirrored it. It was very mm-hmm. intense. And so it spoke to me. So that whole industry of tapping into my, into my, in a way, my competitive spirit, my competitive spirit was different as an athlete than it was as a, as a uh, professional. Mm-hmm. And I, but what the cool thing about it is that it, it allowed me to use my leadership skills, my energy for, for just being like in a team environment. So but it was all about making money and advancing. That was, it was as much as that seems really broad, it was very narrow. And, um, and I spent a long time in that area and, and it just drained me. And, um, and as I got out of staffing and the professional services world, I got into the data center world. And so I started to, uh, get into data center, data center services where, it was really interesting. I was working with companies like LinkedIn and Microsoft and, and Facebook and uh, Salesforce. Like these are fun environments to go into every day. But what I was selling, what I was doing, I did not love. And when you're making the most money in your life and you're doing something that you don't love, that rub is tough. Mm-hmm. And it really tough, and especially when you're going back to school at the age of 40 and, and, and you're coaching football and doing internships. I had a lot of, I was a heavy, heavy load, but uh, it just got to a point where after I got my body back and I got through my second surgery, I started to really reflect and say, you know what, I, I got to get back to who I am. And, um, and as much as that sales, I love sales. I learned a lot about sales and the dynamics of, of leading team. Uh, I, I needed to get back to who I was. And that was this, this warrior, this competitor and, and teaching people how to deal with adversity and sharing my story and then sharing how I can actually make a, a, an athlete or a performer, you know, mentally uh, be a better version of themselves. So where, wh- why mental performance consultant, uh, your words, not mine, why, why that area? I mean, there's so many other things that you could do. You could have become a trainer, right? Like, like, like there's a lot of different things that you could have done where it would have, it feels like it would have scratched that itch. Um, but like, how did you decide, like, let me go back to school, get my sports psychology degree, because this is the path I want to take now? Well, so there's a few, few reasons why. But when you think about like my innate ability to lead, uh, whether it's individuals or teams, I would just easy for me. And when you think about what I did for 17 years in the professional world, that's all I was doing. I was having either individual conversations with hiring manager, decision makers, or I was speaking to a team or to a whole company about our services. So like doing that kind of that work, those interactions came really easy for me. Mm-hmm. Now, when it came literally when I, I, when I decided that I needed to go do some discovery on what I needed to do to hit my passions, I realized, okay, there's four things that I really love that make up who Grant is. And that is music, that's sports, that's it's supplements, if you will, and health, and also wine. I love mm. wine. And so I, I was about to open up a wine bar, to tell you the truth. And I realized that, you know what, it's, it's slow profit. And I probably like drinking it more than I actually do managing a business. Mm-hmm. Right? So I, I literally, um, 
I, in this about a year, year and a half of discovery mode, and I was doing a lot of like informational interviews and just reaching out to a bunch of people within those, you know, verticals or industries. I was in my car from between two sales calls and I was listening to Desmond Howard talk about a sports psychologist. And so when he was on, on an ESPN show and I was sitting there going, what, what is a sports psychologist? And I'm thinking, man, I needed one when I was playing. And, and so I went home that night and I just did a ton of research. I mean, a ton. And I realized like, even though it was kind of a new budding, you know, industry, but it'd been around for a while. So I started to kind of figure out who was who within the industry and what sports and, and organizations were using people like myself. And within two months, I was enrolled at JFK University. And I'll tell you what, when I was in there, like, even though it was kind of hard at first, because I was 40 going back to school going, ah, this is a different, this is the momentum, the rhythm was mm -hmm. different at first. But what I was learning was like, whoa, like, this is the stuff, man. This is, I want to soak people in this stuff. And, and as I got more into it, more into it, I'll be honest with you, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait for me to get my, my master's. I was actually, I already knew people. So I just started working with people. I started my business before I got my, my, my master's. So, um, yeah, that's, that's how it all because of Desmond Howard, man, he opened the door, shine the light on me, man. That's pretty cool. Shout out, uh, Desmond Howard. If he's out there listening, um, you never know. Um, that is a, that is a pretty cool. And I've, I've spoken with sports psychologists before and obviously, you know, there's, there's that, that love of sports, but that love of competition too, which is what I found is really what drives them to the sports side. I have friends who are, well, let's throw some heavy quotation marks, regular psychologists, whatever we want to say. And, you know, it's right. obviously going to be different because they're coming at it from a different angle. And obviously with what you've done and your competition and, and your, your competitive nature, the love of sports, um, all of that, I think it just completely makes sense. And I think it's awesome that you're already starting to help people out before you really even I won't tell anybody. I don't know if there's a board out there that, that, that uh, will <laughs> no, get angry, I'm but I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure it's all fine. I'm sure it's all fine. Um, but I think that's great, man. Um, just one quick question, going back to the wine bar for a second. Did you have a, like a really cheeky name for it by any chance? Like a really great pun that you were going to drop on everybody? You know, it's so funny you say that because I know I did because I sat there. That, that was a fun part of that. Yeah. That whole process. That's why like, I had to ask. Right? And, uh, but there's so, I, I can't, to be honest with you, I can't remember what it was. However, my, my football number is number nine. And so there's a lot of things that I associate with nine. And, um, and so there was, there was, I was playing with the number nine. I was playing with like a, a glass that you could see in the number nine. And, and, but, but again, I can't, that wasn't going to be the name of it. Um, I know I have all these notes. Actually, it's, it's on my trusty phone. All that because I, I love to actually document moments in my life. Uh -huh. So I, I, there, there is actually pages on my phone of like just of stuff that I was doing mm -hmm. uh, for the wine bar. But I love it. I feel yeah. like a wine bar. They they always have the best names. I don't know what it is. They just know, always right? have the best names. So I had to ask. I uh, I've been <laughs> in a couple my, myself. So I, I I always like to ask. So um. So you get your, your, you get your degree and pretty much immediately, not even like you, you, you get enrolled, you're hooked, you love it. You're, you're starting to help people. What was it, what was it like that first time being able to actually see in an athlete's on-field performance, but also just like that light bulb click that when you finally told them something and you probably had to tell them 10 times, um, that it, you really finally saw it click again, like the mental side of it, but also then seeing kind of the the on-field performance follow that what was that like and, and i guess if you have a couple stories about that definitely would love to hear them yeah 
You know, um, it's interesting because there, there's actually a fair amount of really cool stories. Um, and, and it's, there was one actually who is now um, essentially my client now, and I've been with him since high school. And I met him during an internship. Actually, it was at Sarah High School, which is where uh, the home of Tom Brady and Barry Bonds. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, all right. Yeah, so it was a, it's a factory of incredible athletes and coaches. And um, so one of, the, one of the athletes there, his name is Hunter Bishop, which uh, you guys, you and, and your listeners will hear about him because he was the overall, 10th overall pick in the uh, 2019 Major League Baseball draft. And, uh, awesome. Yeah. And so I worked with him more so when he was a football player. And some of the stuff that I saw, the stuff that uh, he was 6'5", he ran a, at the time a 4'5", 40. He just, and his spirit, like the dude is just awesome. And, uh, but what happens is when he was a wide receiver, he had some, he had some issues of uh, maybe just complicating things for him. And it was just overthinking. And to literally just put in a process for him to simplify and, and, and actually trust himself, right? It was, to, it was really neat to see that work and then see how he was actually using that from week to week and then how the, he's used that in, his, in the game of baseball. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, just, just knowing, you know, as I, as I told you before, um, you know, one of my goals is to help impact as many people as I can in a positive way. The way I do that is through stories like this, through the stories of the Olympians that I get to have on and their experiences. Um, so I kind of let that flow through me a little bit. But, um, you know, obviously where you're coming from is, is definitely – from a good place and wanting to impact these athletes and help them be better, not only on the field, obviously, because that part of their career is only so long. Um, it's the off the field and understanding, you know, what they're capable of off the field, because I'm sure, and we might get to a couple of stories uh, in a little bit where, you know, the athletes aren't on the field anymore, but they've utilized what you have taught them and what they've practiced to now become better within business, within uh, investing, whatever it may be. So I'm definitely curious about some of those. Um, what, what is the biggest area of need for athletes? And I know that's kind of painting with a broad brush at that point, but like, what have you seen in your time doing this um, over the last, however many years it's been, what, what have you seen that most athletes, you can kind of diagnose it very quickly. Obviously there's other underlying things and I'm sure there's bigger and uh, more important things as well, but what are some of the most common, I guess, between athletes that if they just were aware of it and they could change that, that they could see a very quick, um, uptick in, in their mental health and their mental performance? You know, what, what I see a lot at all levels is the, the fear of failure. Um, and I see that there's a, the relationship with failure. Uh, that, that's, I see that a lot and I help athletes have a better relationship with failure. And actually what I do is I try to actually, I bring in success and failure together. Like if, if we all know this, if we want to be successful in life, we have to actually fail. Mm -hmm. So when we do fail, are we allowing ourselves to plug into the feedback, the information of the failure, or are we getting stuck on the emotional side of it? And I understand, like, we're, I want you to be human and I want you to be in the moment. I want you to feel your emotions. But the faster that we can actually unplug the emotion and get into the, the feedback, the faster that we can move on. So, you know, my whole goal is to fail up because when we think of energetically, the failure in losing is downward and succeeding is either upward or maybe in front of us. So 
if, if we know we have to fail to actually succeed, well, then let's go fail up. Let's fail forward. Let's fail fast and move on, right? So it, it's a lot about really getting, having that great conversation about that relationship between failing and succeeding. And then also throwing in visualization. There's all these other techniques that I use, but I think really getting athletes to really master that technique is, is crucial and a, and a big need out there. That is, I'm sorry, I'm taking notes. I just want to make sure because I have a, a, a question for you in a little bit, but that's definitely something very important. Failure is obviously something we all have struggled with at some way, in some way, shape or form. Understanding how to deal with it, some people are just better at it, right? Like that's just something, whether it's nature versus nurture, whatever it is, learning as, as you can teach. Um, one thing, and it's funny, I just want to, I want to tie this in a couple different ways. One, your sales career, right? I'm a salesman in some case, you were a salesman. You had to, you very rarely did a salesman go into every meeting and get a yes, right? You had to get, essentially, we all kind of know as salesmen, how many no's do I need to get to the yes, right? Like, okay, if I, that, cause that means you're asking that many people. It's more that like, I need nine people to say no. And then nine, nine, nine times out of 10 on that 10th one, I get the yes. So I need to talk to 10 people and I need most of them to tell me no for me to find the yeses. Um, So that I think is is a great way to tie it in. And then just to go back to sports, I mean, one thing, uh, especially, you know, I was listening to a book about LeBron recently and they obviously bring up the uh, Golden State Warriors a lot. The Warriors lost how many times in the conference semis? I I don't know if they ever made it to the the conference finals, but they lost multiple times in the playoffs, specifically Michael Jordan had to lose multiple times in the playoffs before you start to win. Nobody comes in, wins immediately, and continues to win. Nine, most of the time, they have to lose, learn how to lose, learn from their mistakes, and then go on and win, right? So that's always something that, it's interesting. We all know it. We all know you have to fail. Like, you don't, no one's perfect. But it's just interesting. Like, even I, I suffer from it too. Like, I hate when people say, no, this isn't of interest. No, 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 we don't want this. Like, it's just crazy to me how we all can be so aware of something and still struggle with the, the emotions and the ramifications of it every day. For sure. And I think, you know, you and I talked about this, you know, offline before we were started recording today that we talk about meditation. So when we start getting into more meditation, intentional breath work, that the more that we allow ourselves to get more into the present, into the here and now, that we can actually we can actually have a better relationship with fear or, or not fear, but failing. So when failing does come up, we're actually more aware and we actually are, we're not actually pushing it away. We're, we're embracing it because we've created enough space within our soul and our mind to actually embrace that failure. 100%. Every single day I tell myself there's no such thing as failure, only lessons to be learned. Um, exactly. You repeat that over and over and over again for however many days it's been, well over a year at this point. Um, I, I truly can say that over the last six months, it's re- I've really started to notice it. The first six months were six and change, eight months, whatever it was, wasn't quite as noticeable. But now, like, I'm getting these huge opportunities and, you know, they string me along, they string me along. And then, you know, a couple months later, it's like, you know, sorry, we're not interested in that $750,000 proposal. Like, most people would be devastated. Honestly, I was like, okay whatever, on to the next one. What, what can we do better next time? I sometimes I even ask like, Hey, like what, what could I have done better? And they're like really weirdly taken back. They're like, we're not going to accept it. I was like, that's cool. This is a learning experience for me. Like yeah. what can I do better next time? So when I'm talking to your direct competitor, um, I'll know exactly what I have to say. So that one doesn't really get as many laughs as I hope, but uh, sometimes <laughs> it does. Um, but no, man, I think, you know, a hundred percent. So, so I guess, you know, let's, let's hop into that a little bit. What, um, what are some of the things that either you teach novices or, or 
or just something that you picked up very early that you continue with on the mental side, whether it is, you know, five or 10 minutes of meditation, whether it is telling yourself, whether it is a mantra, like what are some of these things that you practice personally? Um, and you teach maybe some of these, again, novices in, in the space. Yeah. It all starts with breath. I really, it's, if you truly, if you want to have a better mental game, you want to have uh, enhance your mental performance, you ha- everything starts with breath. And so if I can get you to have a relationship with your breath, man, not only is it going to make you a better performer, but you are going to, when you need your breath, when you're going to have a, 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 maybe an uncomfortable conversation or something unexpected happens, your breath will save you. And I can share with you some really cool, interesting stories that saved, literally saved my life outside of sport because I built a relationship with my breath. And so typically what I, what I do with, with a novice, I literally have them three to five times a day. And I doesn't, we talk about what, when is a good time for you to actually drop into your breath or get aware of it and then drop out of it. Right. So do it two or three, just two or three deep breaths, whether if you're looking um, at social media, you're in a shower, you're reading a book, uh, you're eating your breakfast, just drop into it and then drop out of it. Move on. Lunchtime, drop in, drop, drop out. Do that three or five times a day. Just do it three to five. And again, it's easy to do, easy not to do. But when you actually get to do it, right, because you actually get to do this, that after a week, two weeks, three weeks, six months, man, it's just whenever something happens, boom, you get into your breath. And anything that, like any chaotic situation, adversity, Man, if I'm in a bar and there's like somebody's like going about to fight or I'm at a, a sporting event and someone's getting out of hand, man, I just, I get into my breath. I just, boom, I get into my breath. So what I do is the reason why I'm trying to share that with, with novices or maybe young athletes is that every day we as humans always have an, 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 an internal or external emotional hurricane that we deal with. It just, it happens. Sometimes they're small, sometimes they're big. So what's the goal of that? Well, is to conquer it. In a way, when I say the word conquer, I know that can be strong. What happens in the eye of a hurricane? It's calm. So I don't care if it's a business meeting, if you're going to be competing, I don't care what it is, man. Our goal is to get right in the middle of it and sit in it with our breath. And that's how we're going to conquer the emotional hurricane is to get into our breath. I love it. That was awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah. I'm motivated. Now, all I, just three to five times a day, get in, get out. And I guess it, you, you said it in a way that it's like, okay, so I'm going to eat breakfast every day, right? I'm going to eat lunch every day. So the start of your lunch, get in, get out. So rather than having to think like, oh, did I do it yet? It's, did I do that activity and more tie it towards the activity rather than the number of times, I guess. That makes sense? For sure. Absolutely. Love it, man. Love it. Um, very cool. Well, thank you for that. Hopefully everyone was paying attention and they got a little good information from it. Uh, that's always important. So one thing I want to hop back to, you said uh, you had a little story about your dad and how kind of he was teaching sports psychology before anyone knew it was sports psychology a little bit. Do you want to hop back and maybe tell that story? Because again, I think that'll tie really nicely with, you know, you, th- it was always there within you. You just had to go, I guess, Desmond Howard just kind of had to pull it out of you, right? Right, right. Well, you know, there was many times as a young kid, my dad would always say, Hey, get your breath. And so, you know, we just kind of, we take that for granted sometimes, you know, I see coaches say that all the time. They're like, okay, get your breath. Like it was a soccer team, my coach. And I, and I'm trying to get the team when they hear it to have the whole team do it. So when the coach does it, we get into it right now. Right. But sometimes we can't, I understand that because depending on the situation, 
But my dad would always say, he was like, man, just get in your breath, get your breath, get your breath. And we're like, you know, here we are right, right before it, you know, we're going into the batter's box and he sees us 10. So like, he'll come up to us and my, my brother and I and say, yeah, get your breath. And he was all about all the time. Like if we said, I can't, or I suck, he would always ask us to reframe it. What's a better way of saying that? I don't want to hear that. I don't ever want you to say I can't. And so it was like, so the self-talk was, was there. Um, and w when I got to about 12 to 13, 14, he just started to really say, hey, this is what's really important. If you really actually want to do what you want to do confidently on the field, you have to see yourself. You have to see it in your mind. And I don't know if he read it. I don't know where he got that from, but that's when I started doing it. And, I, and as I started to become a better quarterback, I was like, whoa, this, this is fun. Like I could literally, you know, you know, I'm, I know this doesn't mean anything to you, but I'm, I'm like, I can visualize playing against Monta Vista in my head right now and see myself throw three touchdowns and just win this game. I can see their colors. I can see the stadium, but no one taught me that. My dad just said, Hey, you probably should do that. So I started doing that. And what was really cool is that my dad was more of a baseball player, mm -hmm. um, even though that I love football, but he gravitated to that sport. And so there was a, uh, I believe a hall of famer, Rod crew who played for the angels. A new age company back in the day. Uh, basically what they were doing, it was a, it was a hypnosis company. And they, what they did is they, they got this very new age music, very new agey. You know, for someone like me at 12, 13, 14 years old, I was listening to this, you know, on a Walkman. Mm. Again, dating. Throwback. Myself. Yeah. I'm sitting there listening to this going, what is, what, what is my dad asking me to do right now? And then out of nowhere, you hear this, and it's the sound of a baseball bat hitting a ball. And so there would be actually intervals of maybe you hear that hit, and then 10 seconds later, you hear it again. And then 10 seconds later, you hear it again. And so you just keep on, you're so relaxed with the music, but you start to see yourself swinging and you're perfecting your swing and you're seeing your hips and your legs. And it's just, you're perfecting your swing. So here I am, I was 12, 13, 14 years doing that way, but nobody was doing it. My dad was like, I don't know where he found it or heard about it, but you know, what's really cool is that I do this, the same thing for my clients. I literally, because I'm in the podcasting world and, and I do have a, a musician background and recording that I literally, I'm doing, I'm working with a boxer right now. I literally sat in the ring while he was working with his, his, his coach and he was doing combos. He was doing jabs. He was doing right hooks, uppercuts. And all I was doing is recording that. And so I'm taking those sounds and I'm putting it to, to really the same thing, meditation music. And I'm having him hear those sounds and developing his craft in his mind. So he's getting more mental reps than the other boxer is. So I do that with basketball players. I do it for baseball players. So just another added thing that I do. Mm -hmm. And that was only because my dad showed me how to do it when I was younger. That's sweet, man. Hearing the swish of the net just over and over yep. and over again. That's, I mean, first off, just as a sports fan, that's one of the sweetest sounds just like on planet earth. I love it. it oh, especially yeah. when it's perfect. Oh my goodness. But yep. no, that, that is fantastic. And I mean, it's just interesting, you know, as you said, uh, you have the, you have the self-talk, you have the very obvious forms of uh, visualization. Um, oh shoot. What was the, what was the first thing? It was, it was breathing. Uh, breathing. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, all of those are just 
three very like staples and like pillars almost if i if i may of of being mentally strong and really understanding it's just um and especially you know it kind of makes sense to me so i'm a huge baseball fan as well um and in my opinion baseball is the most mental game right like the, all these athletes are world class athletes like what differentiates them you know the best from the worst especially when we're talking about literal millimeters um so you know in, in my opinion it's easily one of the most mental games so it's it, it makes sense that your dad was kind of gravitated to that part of the game which he then imparted on you which then allowed you uh, a few years later to figure out how much you love this and uh what you're capable of doing and helping um so this is an olympic athlete podcast i don't think you're an olympic athlete unless i totally missed something but i know you've worked with a few olympic athletes and a couple others um tell us about some of the athletes that you've worked with and i mean again the the four major sports the five major sports whatever you want to call them like we've heard and seen some of these things especially with some of these other sports like bobsled and luge like um you know know, fencing like where how how do you take a lot of the same things i mean a lot of it is general i mean for for lack of a better term but with some of these other specific things what have you seen maybe you're capable or able to do with these olympians to really again just kind of help push them again some of the greatest athletes in the world kind of push them up and and get to them them to where they need to be for sure you know um i had the honor to actually work with uh, asia evans who was 2014 bronze medalist for bobsled and she was uh, the brakeman and and if anybody knows the sport of uh, bobsled two man uh, bobsled that the brakeman is essentially what you're doing you're the one creating all the horsepower you're the one that's you know pushing the sled and then you go for the ride is basically what you do. And uh, so with working with Asia, she's just talk about someone who has so much grace and so much power. Like when I mean power, I mean, she, if you ever watched her on YouTube, you can put in Asia Evans box jump and she can literally, she's sitting in a chair and she can jump from a sitting position up to six feet high. I think even maybe even taller or higher. So she just got so much, and she's a, a five-time All-American uh, shot putter, uh, University of Illinois. Like she has a so strong athletic background. Anywho, working with her, when I worked with her about six months before uh, the 2018 Winter Olympics, it was mainly getting her to focus on what she can control. And she was focusing on stuff that she couldn't. And when you think about anything about sports, there's doing the sport itself is tough. I don't care what sport it is, but what's really tough is managing the gaps of time. So when you think of like golf, the reason why that is hard, baseball is hard. Well, when you you have a lot of time to deal with, if you have a bad shot, a bad swing, a bad strikeout, right? You have a lot of time to, to, to rationalize it, good or bad. So when you're going doing bobsled, you go down the track, well, then there's a lot of time for the next time you're going back down the hill. So I had to teach her and put it in a process to actually focus on the things that she control. And you know, it's really interesting. My dad taught me to breathe, to visualize and to self-talk. And so I actually have my own process, which we all know that, but I call it a BVT. So if you want to realign yourself really quick, you breathe, get in the moment, you visualize what you want to do or recorrect what you needed that just happened. And you talk yourself into the position where you want to go. That's why language is huge. If you want to go somewhere with your language, you got to talk yourself in that direction with positive self-talk. So it's a BVT. So I taught her how to do a BVT. And, uh, and so even though she was fraction in a fraction of a fraction of a second, 
from from getting another bronze. I think I believe she got a fourth place um, in the last Winter Olympics. But she was she was she was special, and she bought into it, which is the best thing that can ever happen to me as a mental performance coach. Having an athlete buy into your work. Absolutely. So on that note, like how, how, how many athletes do you work with that don't quite buy in and, and what is that struggle like for you knowing like, Hey, I've done this before it works. Like if you, you brought me on to help you and now you're kind of mentally going against all the things that I'm trying to do mentally teach you. Right. You know, to be honest with you, out of, you know, being transparent with you, I haven't had anybody that, um, that, that didn't buy into it. Now the buy-in process might've been longer. Yeah. I, that was, or did you have to break anyone down? I guess. Is that yeah. another? Yeah. Cause you know, within my line of work, even though there's all these strategies and interventions that are very vital to the work, the most vital thing is actually building trust and rapport. And sometimes man, uh, you could, my, my, my mentor tells me like, cause he's a predominant MBA mental skills trainer. He's like, man, there's sometimes it's, it's taken me six months, almost to a year to actually get the trust of someone just based off, you know, the situation. But, you know, so that's, that's my main thing. I get in and I know I want to hear them out. And I, I know they want help and they want to get better. And, but you know what? I, it's more important for me, for them to trust me. And so I can actually really not only get into their mind, that's, that's my job, but really, you know, my, the job for me is to actually coach the heart of the athlete, mm -hmm. right? If I can get into the heart of the athlete, I can get into that trust and rapport. So that, that's, that's very vital and crucial. That makes sense. That, that does make sense. Definitely very, um, just super interesting. This is not a, a topic of conversation I get to talk about a lot. So I'm, <laughs> I appreciate you answering all my questions. Yeah, um, you bet. So uh, two more. Um, one of them we kind of brought up a little bit earlier. Uh, well, actually, both of them we did. Um, but the first one is um, athletes after, you know, obviously again, that, that mental performance and needing to be where they need to be on game day and, and on off days and throughout the year. But after they retire, have you been able to help any of these athletes with a, the struggle of understanding that sports at the level they were at is, is not going to be there any for, for them. And then, helping them get to a place where they need to be business wise or, or investor wise or finance, not financially, but helping them get to a good mental state so that they can do their post career career. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that I talk about not only within my work, but I typically, if I have anybody on my podcast that is a former athlete, I always bring up transition. Mm -hmm. What was the transition? Like, how did you, like, did you have identity issues? Cause I, I mean, I did, I mean, it's, it, it took me almost two decades to actually get over it. So, so, but that was due to an injury. Some people, they, they, they actually leave the game gracefully. Like it just, their expiration dates up. It's time for them to move on, you know? And so, but still they're still having a hard time letting go of the game. And so, yeah, I, 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 I talk about it. I work with it. I can tell you um, there was an Olympian that I did work with. Obviously I can't share her name, but um, who was a fencer, but I'll tell you what, her whole life, her whole life was that sport. And when I mean that, she never had a job. She went to school. She went to a university. That is it. And her whole, until she was 30, I, I don't know, close to her late 30s, right? When she was done with the sport, it, 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 was, it was tough, right? And so I had to help her transition out of that sport and help her. And because of my background in 
in staffing and also my professional life, I had to help her, literally help her how to actually interview for jobs. So it's a real thing. And I think it's uh, all of us, I don't care if we're high school, college, Olympians, professional athletes, there is going to be a day where we have to transition out. So it's a real thing. And and I'm I'm happy and I'm glad that you brought it up because uh, especially Olympians, I mean, it becomes the fabric of who they are Mm because that's all they're doing. That's all they're doing for a long period of time. And then the fact that most Olympians, about 90%, they don't really make any money, unfortunately, throughout the process. So it's not like they have anything to fall back on, um, unfortunately. But they're incredible people. They all have amazing stories. And that's why I try and do what I do, man. So hopefully, cross your fingers for me. Um, Is that good? Is that that, that good mentally, having someone else cross their fingers for you? Whatever. I'll take it, man. Whatever it is. Um, And then the last topic, last question. uh, You've referred to it a couple times, so I wrote it down because obviously it's very important to you, so I want to make sure I ask it how big of a game are you playing and how big is this going to get? Because it's gonna, right? You have the mental side down. You're going to get there. I'm sure you train every day, just like everyone else, but how, how big of a game are you playing? And, um, what, what can we maybe start seeing from you in the future? You know, uh, beautiful question. It is because I, I love playing a big game and I think I'm, I have the capacity I'm creating more capacity in my life to play a bigger game. So, and it's, and it's, you know, meeting people like yourself and Dave Metzler and, um, and, you know, working with my mentor and just, and just being open and taking care of my energy is like, it's just opening all these doors. Well, you know, I never in my life, when I'm talking about bigger game, I never thought ever I would actually have a master's degree. And as soon as I got my master's degree, man, everything just started to kind of fall in line and, I have my own business. I have my own podcast. I just released a book four or five months ago. Now I'm recording, you know, online mental skills training. I'm there's like, so it's just doing keynote speaking. It's just, so it's just getting bigger and bigger and I'm just, um, I'm, I'm super grateful for it, but I'm just trying to be very mindful with my energy and taking care of it because I know that whatever I'm going to throw out to the universe, and this is the beautiful thing about the universe is, Man, if, if you're very intentional and purpose, purposeful with what you want and you throw it out to the universe, it will come back tenfold. And, and it's doing that right now. So I think right now it's just as far as how big is, I don't know. I just, I'm just going to go for the ride and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn. And I'm going uh, to definitely, you know, my energy is my offering. And I'm just going to keep on giving my energy and, you know, receiving it and, and giving it. So. I love it, man. We're playing a big game. Um, why limit yourself? Just the bigger, the better. Uh, shoot for the stars, land on the clouds, you know, all those yeah, things. I mean, totally. like, why would you yeah. not? And, uh, you know, I'm in, I'm in the exact same boat. Um, you know, I tell some of my friends and some of my peers, you know, what I'm looking to do. And they're like, well, why do you want to do all that? I was like, I mean, that's honestly too small. I mean, I want to do more. Um, but that's just the, you know, for the next couple of years we want to see. So, no, man, thank you so much. Grant Parr, mental performance consultant, game face performance bvt that's the one thing i'm taking from this i hope everyone out there listening grabbed something pretty good um grant sincerely man thank you so much really appreciate your time today thank you so much it was awesome thank you so much for listening to this episode of our athletes with grant parr as i said a lot of fun very interesting he gave us some information as as people and as athletes that we can follow on a daily basis something to do to make sure that we are keeping tip-top mental shape which is very necessary in the corporate world in the athletic world in relationships it's always great to be in the best state mentally because that is when you make the best decisions the quickest and in the 
most consistent, persistent manner. So thank you so much to Grant. All of his socials and information is in the show notes, so please check that out. All of ours is in the show notes as well, so obviously check that out as well. Please make sure to give this show a star or five stars or a hundred stars, depending on the podcast app you use. That will greatly help improve the amount of people that see it, which means these incredible stories can be seen and heard by more people, which means they impact more lives, which means we're doing what we're trying to do. So thank you all so much. Really, really appreciate it, and I hope you make it a wonderful day.